Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates. I'm so excited that you are joining us today. Uh, we believe that healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one to a team from a stage or from behind the screen, we hope that our time today encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to choose to communicate in healthy ways. Well, on today's podcast, I'm so excited because we start a brand new series called How to Tell a Really Good Story. And I am beyond excited for this series because I have loved story from as long back as I can remember. I love telling stories, I love listening to stories, and I love the study of story. And it's been said that the six most powerful words in any language are, let me tell you a story. Stories bring life, they inspire. And so today we're going to try to answer the question, why do stories matter? And we all love stories. And today we're going to dive into some incredible questions. You know, aren't stories just important for our favorite movies? What can stories do for my leadership, for our businesses? Can I become a good storyteller? You know, why do they matter? And so what I'm excited about personally as a leader is I get to interview an incredible author and leader. He's one of the world's leading experts on organizational storytelling. He's authored many books. Uh, Two of them were Amazon uh, bestsellers. And so I'm so excited to welcome Paul Smith to the Speak With People podcast. Welcome, Paul. Hey, Jason, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, hey, could you tell us just a little bit more about you, you know, kind of your story, where you're from, what you do, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. And, and then I can tell you why I, I'm not a fan of those six words, by the way, that you, uh, okay. you kicked us off with. Okay. Um, I love it. But, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I haven't been doing this my whole life. I, I spent the first 20 years of my career in more typical corporate career path. I studied economics in undergrad. I got an MBA. I've spent a couple of years as a consultant for Accenture and then 20 years at the Procter & Gamble company. Um, my last job there was uh, vice president of consumer research for one of our major uh, global business units. Oh, but wow. along that journey, I just got fascinated with this concept of storytelling. And and that frustrated me because I didn't know how to do it. And and they didn't teach me that in undergrad and they didn't teach me that in grad school and they didn't teach me that at Anderson. And they, believe it or not, they didn't even teach me that at PNG. Hmm. And so you know, I, I kind of had to learn it on my own. And through that process of trying to figure it out, it occurred to me, well, gosh, if I want to know this that badly, maybe other people do as well. So I went yep. out, this, this learning journey became an idea for a book instead of just my own little selfish learning journey. And that, that, that led to a whole different career path for me. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's exciting. Well, so let's just jump right in. I mean, what do you believe about the intrinsic power of storytelling? Why does it matter so much? Yeah, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of reasons, but um, probably the most important one is that stories help people make decisions. Mm. It turns out, you know, we humans don't make the, the logical, rational decisions that we'd like to think we do, or we don't always. In fact, some people would argue we rarely do. It turns out most of the decisions that we make are made in a subconscious emotional processing part of our brain. And then those decisions are rationalized a few nanoseconds later in a more um, conscious thinking, logical processing part of the brain. So we leave a decision-making process only aware of the conscious part of it, but unaware of the emotional subconscious part of that decision-making process. And the truth is our logical brain is just trying to catch up a few nanoseconds later. And stories are just uniquely well-qualified to reach that subconscious emotional processing part of the brain. Mm. And so uh, if you want to be effective influencing people, 
whether that's leadership or sales or marketing, um, it turns out you need to talk to both parts of the brain. And stories, like I said, are just uniquely well-qualified to help us reach that subconscious emotional processing part of the brain so that we can make well-informed, full brain, you know, uh, decisions. Wow. 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 So in your own life, you know, um, have you personally experienced, you know, the impact of stories? Like when did it start to come alive for you? Yeah. Oh, well, many times. In fact, uh, <laughs> I mean, the best way to answer that is to give you an example. Um, you know, in fact, the, the reason I got into the the career path that I'm in now. So I told you I went through that process of, of learning about storytelling and then deciding, well, you know what I really want to do is I, I want to write a book about this and mm. change my career path to being, you know, a, 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 an author and a speaker and a trainer on the, on the art and the science of storytelling. But doing that in your mid forties with a wife and a couple of kids at home is, you know, a pretty risky endeavor, uh, something you might be facing yourself <laughs> sometime. Right. Yes. Um, and so I needed to make a decision. Am I, am I going to quit my, you know, corporate executive job in the middle of my career and go do something crazy? Or am I going to stick it out for another mm. decade or so and do this after I retire? And, and the truth is, Jason, I, I like, I mentally, I'd gotten to the point that I wanted to do that, but I was still scared. <laughs> I was just, you know, I didn't have the guts to pull the trigger. And so I, I asked my dad for some advice. I, I, you know, he's, he's, he was 80 years old at the time and a hard of hearing. So I couldn't call him on the phone anymore. I had to write him letters. And so I wrote him a letter and told him everything I just told you and asked him for his advice. And I thought, well, he's going to write me back and he's a good dad. So he's going to give me either one of two pieces of advice. He's either going to say, Oh, I believe in you, son, you can do this. You know, just go pursue your dream. I know you, you, you got this right. Yep. Or he's going to be the, the other kind of good dad and say, are you nuts? Like, Son, just <laughs> head down, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep after this for another eight or 10 years and retire comfortably and then go play, play around with all this silly, you know, book writing business, right? You know, be the, the practical dad, right? <laughs> but he didn't do either of those things. All he did in this letter was he told me a story about himself. He said, you know, when I was five years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. He said, I wanted to be a singer, you know, mm. like Frank Sinatra or Tony Bennett or, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, he, he was 80, right? It was a rap yeah. pack. That was his genre. And he said, I knew that for sure. The first day of the, of like the first grade, um, he said, when the teacher asked all of us, if any of us had any special talent, you know, like dancing or magic tricks or something. And he said, I raised my hand and I said, well, I can sing. <laughs> Despite the fact that he'd never sung in front of anybody, but his mom in the kitchen. Right. Right. Well, Jason, what do you think a good teacher would do uh, when young five-year-old Bobby says that he can sing? Oh, well, okay. Then let's, let's let you sing. Absolutely. So <laughs> young, young Bobby Smith got up and he belted out his favorite song right there, acapella in front of the teacher and all the other students. And he tells me in this letter, he says, son, I nailed it. He said, I got all the words, all the melody, right. It was awesome. And he said, the other students and the teacher stood up and they applauded me. He said, I got a standing ovation my first time to sing in front of an audience. And he finished this letter by saying, unfortunately, that turned out not just to be the first time I ever sang in front of an audience. Mm. It turned out to be the last time oh. that I ever sang in front of an audience. And he said, you know, life got in the way, but the truth is I just never had the courage to go through with it. And he said, you know, that was 75 years ago mm. and there's not a month that goes by that I haven't thought about that and regretted that decision. And he said, uh, he, he, he closes the letter with these words as if that wasn't enough. And by the mm. way, it was plenty. Wow. He closes the words with these, the letter with these words. He said, I'd love to see you achieve your dream, 
But that doesn't mean in your lifetime, son. That means in mine. Mm. And I just thought, oh man, TikTok, the guy's 80, right? (laughs) Wow. And he was, Jason, he was laying down the gauntlet in front of me and challenging me to pick it up like right now, not some off time in the distant future, right? So literally two days later, I walk into my boss's office and I quit my 20 year career to pursue this dream. And I absolutely would not have done it that quickly had it not been for that, that letter. And that was absolutely the best decision I ever made. And so, I mean, that, that story changed my life, quite literally changed the direction of my life. And in fact, that's why my, the second book I ever wrote, <laughs> the first book was lead with a story. Yep. The second one I wrote was parenting with parenting with a story uh, because of stories like that, that, that parents can tell their kids that will absolutely change their lives for the better. Yes. So I, I think storytelling is good for us at work and at home. Well, you know, <laughs> I think why I've, you know, enjoyed your books and, you know, as we started speak with people, you know, I love your with component, you know, yeah. lead with a story, parenting with, because I, I remember I listened to a podcast once where you talked about the parenting with a story and I thought, oh my goodness, so many parents need to learn about this because for years, right, that's, that's the only way that we taught our, our kids about our previous generations was through story. Is, is that why, you know, they have this ability to resonate with people so much on a deep level? because, you know, we pass them down from generation to generation or, or what else is there that just helps connect them to people that, you know, like you, I mean, it was like a, I mean, it changed your life. Like, right. Yeah. And I, you know, there probably is, you know, some deep psychological reason that I'm not going to be able to articulate as to why. What I do know is that what you just said is true. There's something about storytelling that resonates with human beings on a Mm. deep visceral level in a way that PowerPoint slides don't. <laughs> right. And bullet points don't and sales pitches don't. Right. And, you know, you know so it, it's the, it's part of what makes us human. Yeah. And, and not automata or robots or something. And so, yeah, yeah, there's something very, very unique about stories that, that cannot be separated from its humanity. Yeah. Do you, uh, just to go off script here for a second, but are, are there any storytellers when you were, you know, when you first started, you know, this journey, uh, that you're on that really captured you that you thought, okay, I've got to learn a lot from these, these storytellers. Well, uh, the first thing I did when, when I, when I first realized that storytelling was an important leadership skill set, I, I read all the books I could find on the topic mm. and there's some great ones out there. I think Annette Simmons books are the first ones that I read and, um, David Hutchins and, um, uh, David Armstrong, uh, he's passed away since, but uh, in fact, his was probably the first book that I read. Um, and and these are all books that are written probably 20 years ago or mm. maybe longer. Um, uh, and they they definitely convinced me that you know storytelling was a skill set that I could learn and that I it would behoove me to learn. Yeah. Um, but then I very quickly ran into people that I knew personally because I started interviewing senior leaders, executives that I thought. Uh, were, were good at it, but inside the company where I worked was just Procter and Gamble. Uh, John Pepper, the, was the CEO of the company, the chairman of the board at the time. And, um, you know, he was a phenomenal storyteller. Mm. Um, and I'm convinced that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why he became the CEO and, you know, and other people didn't. Uh, but mm-hmm. then I, of course, I, I ended up interviewing people outside the company too. And I ran into a lot of people who, who were really good storytellers who you would have never thought would be good storytellers. You know, for, for example, I, I've probably interviewed 300 or so CEOs, executives, wow. leaders uh, at companies all over the world at this point in the last 10 years. 
and um, like a couple of them probably worthy of mentioning because I didn't expect them to be such good storytellers. One of them was Sarah Matthew. She Hmm. was the CEO of Dun and Bradstreet. She's since retired, but um, before she was the CEO, she was the chief financial officer. And Hmm. before that, she, she, she spent her entire career in finance and accounting jobs not exactly the background that you'd expect somebody to be a great storyteller, right? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, Same with John Bryant was a CEO of uh, Kellogg's, a breakfast cereal company, right? Same thing. Before that, he was the CFO. And before that, he spent his whole career in finance type jobs, you know, but but both great storytellers. Mm. And I got to think that's part of why they became, you know, the the CEO uh, when when others didn't. So yeah, it's just a, it's a very powerful tool set. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. What do you think uh, is the role that storytelling plays in, you know, building empathy, you know, and understanding between different individuals and communities? You know, it just has this incredibly powerful way to do that. But, you know, what do you think the role of it is? Well, there are a lot of different techniques to do both of those things you said, Mm. uh, which I think was build empathy and gain understanding. Yes. Yep. Right. So, um, but Storytelling is one of the better ones, I think, uh, in fact, pr- probably the best at both of those things. So people generate empathy for other people when they can see themselves in that situation and therefore they empathize <laughs> with mm. it. Yeah. Right? You, you, you sympathize with somebody when you feel bad for them. You empathize for somebody when you can feel what it's like to be in their situation. I think that's the very definition of empathy and how it's different mm. than sympathy. Right. Yeah. Well, how are you going to feel what it's like to be in somebody else's situation? How, how could you do that? You, you, somebody has to tell you a story. <laughs> There's no other way yes. to really empathize with some, unless you witnessed it happen. Like if you yep. want to empathize with somebody in a car crash and you saw the car crash, you can empathize. But if you didn't see the car crash and I said, Hey, Jason, I got a friend who was in a car crash. Do you feel empathy for them? Yeah. No, you could sympathize. Oh, that's terrible, Paul. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. But can you empathize with that person? Well, of course not, because you don't know anything about the accident. Yep. You weren't there. But if I tell you a detailed story about how it happened and how the poor guy's laying out on the street, you know, bleeding out or whatever, now you can empathize with them. So only yeah. a story can really help somebody empathize, not just mm. sympathize. And I think for the same reason, it's a it's the best tool for understanding because you know, I, I could tell you, look, you know, there, uh, there's three ways for you to be successful in this you know, task you've got ahead of you. Or I can tell you a story about somebody who did all three of those things and succeeded. And which way are you going to have a better understanding? Yeah. Well, the story, obviously, yeah. right? So I think it's probably just your best tool in both cases. Absolutely. I, I'm curious, just from a leadership perspective, you know, all of those interviews, you know, what, how did you approach those interviews? Were, were, did you approach each one differently? Did you bring a, just the same set of questions? You know, how did you get the best information out of all of those CEOs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, all, all the interviews started with the same questions and did with the same question, but they were all different in the middle because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, as you interview people here for a living, you, yeah. you know, conversation is going to go all kinds of ways, but the, the, probably the, the thing worth noting here is that, um, like I said, I've interviewed probably 300 people by now. Um, and, and like I said, these are people like the names that I've mentioned already. These are senior yes. executive companies all over the world. Um, I had a 93% acceptance rate when I asked people to interview with me. Wow. Which is shockingly high. And I'm convinced there, here's the reason why. 
so many people, when I called them, agreed for, to spend two hours with me, wow. either on the phone or face to face out of these busy executives day. Yep. You know, uh, and, and here's why. And this uh, goes back to something I mentioned to you right before we went on air, because I already had a contract, a publishing contract with a publisher. So I want you to imagine that I called you and you didn't know who I was. And I said, Hey, Jason, I know you're really busy. Um, you don't know me. My name's Paul Smith. Um, I'd really love to, I've always wanted to write a book about leadership. And so I'm, I'm finally going to, going to do that. And I need to interview some smart people. Could you spend a couple hours with me on the phone, you know, on the off chance that maybe I can get this book published, mm. <laughs> you know, your answer would almost certainly be no. Right. right? But imagine instead I called you and I said, Hey, uh, Jason, look, I'm, uh, I know you're really busy and, uh, my name's Paul Smith. I know you don't know me, but I'm under contract with Harper Collins and the American Management Association to write a book on leadership that's going to be published next fall. And I'm looking for strong leaders at successful companies to feature in the book. Wow. Would you have some time to visit with me next week? Wow. Well, now what would you say? Right. Uh, right. Of course. Well, sure, Paul. Of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, I'm not going to waste your time and right. the book's going to be published whether you're in it or not. Don't you kind of want to be in it? Right. Well, apparently 93% of people would like to be in a book. Yep. <laughs> so having that publishing contract first really makes it easier to solicit those, those interviews. Wow. That's just incredible. So if, if you were sitting down with a, an owner of a company who, you know, their marketing team right now really doesn't utilize storytelling at all, you know, what, what would you share with them to try to, you know, bring them over to the other side to go, you got to start sharing the story of your, your company instead of just, yeah. you know, this marketing method. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's probably obvious. I would just give them an example, you know? Yeah. So, I, you know, I would say, uh, uh, one of the people I interviewed, uh, for probably my third book, sell with a story was, uh, Sherrod Madison. So, so you asked about marketing people. So I, one of my books was for sales and marketing people. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Sherrod Madison was a CEO, still is a CEO of United Building Maintenance, which is a commercial cleaning company, right? These are the folks who come in and clean your offices at night. And when he has a sales call on a new prospect, he always brings his sales VP with him and they go through a sales pitch, mm. but he always finds an opportunity during the conversation to tell a personal story about what mm. he does when he gets a new client. Mm. He says, it's always the same. There's always like a 30 day transition period between when the old company or when I sign the contract and when my company takes over. And he says, I always do the same thing during that 30 days. He says, I sneak into the building in the middle of the night to watch how they're cleaning it now. Now it, it's not really as nefarious as I probably just made it sound. Cause of course <laughs> he gets permission to do it. Right. Right. right but anyway, right. so he said, so, you know, last month we, we, we took over the Verizon building in New Jersey and it's two o'clock in the morning. And so, you know, go in there and I see this guy and he's uh, vacuuming the carpets and he's using the same kind of, you know, residential quality vacuum cleaner that I use at home. Hmm. You know, he said, uh, the problem is. You know, you gotta imagine those corridors are 12 feet wide and a half a mile around. It's going to take that guy a month just to vacuum the carpets once. Plus that it's not going to do a very good job. And that machine is going to break down every few weeks because it's just not made for this kind of volume of usage. Yep. So when we took over, we put him into one of these triple wide commercial grade, um, you know, vacuuming machines. It'll do a much better job in a fraction of the time. Um, and that thing's going to last forever. And he said, uh, you know, but I, I wanted to see how they were dusting the offices. So. You know, I went up a couple of floors and I, I looked on top of all the file cabinets and I saw the same thing on top of all of them. It was a half a moon swiped out on top. And he said, I know exactly what that means. And you probably do too. He said, those cabinets are standard five and a half feet tall, three feet deep. He says, the people doing the cleaning, it's not that they were lazy or poorly trained. 
They right. just literally weren't tall enough to reach the top of the five right. and a half foot, tall, three foot deep, you know, and that's what leaves that half a moon swiped out on top. And he said, truth is they'd be better off not cleaning it at all because it's the contrast between the dirty part and the clean part that makes it obvious to the eye that, oh, that's dirty. He said, so when we took over a simple solution, we just gave everybody these little 18 inch plastic extension wands so they could reach the back problem solved right now. Now he tells them that little story instead of saying something yep. like, well, you know, the reason why we're better than our competitors is because we use triple wide commercial grade vacuuming machines and we give all of our dusters, right. 18, you know, that's in the, I'm sure that's in the marketing brochure, but, and it was probably in the sales pitch too, but the story brings that to life in a way that the brochure doesn't. Mm. Um, and so just, I would just sharing an example of marketing stories to a group of marketing people or sales stories to yep. a group of salespeople, their eyes get big and they go, holy crap. I had no idea we could tell stories like that. That's great. Yeah. I want, I want to do that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Boy, that's so good. And I, I, it's amazing that it's still so underutilized in, in today's world. I mean, it's just, it's like, okay, how do we, how do we, you know, lean into story even more. I was thinking about, you know, your, you know, you're the first part of your career, 20 years, corporate world, you know, is there anything now with what, you know, if you could go back in time, you know, with those companies you work for, cause you work for some, I mean, really well-known companies, you know, is there anything, you know, with story that you would say, Oh boy, I wish, you know, I would, I would have known this about story then because I could have you know, help, help them be so much more successful here or. Yeah. Yeah. So innovation probably, in fact, mm. uh, someday I'll, I'll, I'll write that book, uh, innovation with stories or something. But, um, I think there are some stories that could really, and I have, a, I have a one chapter. If, if you've read that book, you held up there, lead with the story. There's yeah. one chapter in that about innovation and creativity. Um, I think if I'd known this, then I could have helped the company I worked for be even more innovative in all kinds of areas. Cause I think there are, there are a lot of stories about innovation that can be used as a springboard to help other people be more innovative in ways mm. they hadn't even thought of. Yeah. And I think that's probably an underutilized, um, purpose for storytelling. Yeah. Boy, that's good. Are there any, uh, techniques? or strategies that you personally love that you utilize the most when it comes to, you know, you, you engaging with an audience? Yeah. You know, uh, a surprise ending. So this might be a surprising answer, but, um, cause we, we all love a surprise ending in the books we read and the movies we watch, yeah. but even in a leadership story or sales yeah. story, um, a surprise ending is really effective and not just cause it makes it more entertaining, although it, it does that as well. But it literally, a, a surprise triggers the release of adrenaline in mm. human beings. And that adrenaline has been shown physiologically to make uh, the memory consolidation process faster and more efficient. So literally, surprises make things more memorable. Mm. So if you include a surprise in your story, people will remember the story more, which means whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish with the story, whether it's a leadership story or sales and marketing story, your message will be remembered far longer mm. if you have a surprise in the story. So it plays a very practical role in storytelling. And most people just, they, they just don't even think that, well, surprises, well, that's for movies, but that's not for a leadership story. I'm just supposed to basically boss people around in a, right. you know, somehow, <laughs> you know, or I'll, I'll tell a story, but I'm still, you know, being yeah. very, you know, 
buttoned up here and story and surprises. Well, that sounds Hollywood or something. And I right. mean, you can, there are techniques to create little surprises and stories that are just very effective and make mm. stories so much more long-term effective long-term. Yeah, that's great. Well, why do you think so many people, when they tell a story, they, and I fall into this trap. I mean, we all have, but we want to make ourselves the hero of the story, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the reason is just uh, human pride, uh, right? You know, Yes, we, that's, that's one of the most common problems. And I have to, I have to advise all of my clients when you leave this class, you know, do not go out there and write 10 stories about how awesome you are. Um, you, <laughs> right. I tell them, I said, you can write five, but the other five need to be about other people or, uh, or they need to be about how, uh, a mistake you made. Mm. In fact, most of your stories in leadership should be about mistakes you made yeah. so that other people can avoid those mistakes. So yeah, if, if, if all of your stories are about how awesome you are, you, you will be seen as the kind of leader who tells those kind of stories and nobody will want to follow you. And a leader with no followers isn't a leader. Wow. Okay. As our, our time wraps up, I just thought, you know, could you give any advice to our listeners, uh, you know, to an aspiring storyteller, somebody who says, you know, I want to get better at, at telling stories. I'm just kind of a rookie right now. You know, how can I bring a meaningful impact, you know, to the story? How can I you know, what, what it was something I could do right now to make my stories, you know, even more meaningful. You know, pro well, probably the best advice I could give you is learn how first, mm. right? Like if you wanted to learn to play the guitar, you probably wouldn't just go buy a guitar and start strumming on it and hope that you'd learn how to play right. it. You'd probably take guitar lessons, right? Right. From somebody. Right? So treat storytelling like any other skill that you want to learn, right? Go read a book, take a class, watch some videos, however you prefer to learn, mm. go learn the techniques and then practice. Because if you just, a lot of people say, Oh, I need to, I'm going to start telling more stories. So I get good at it. Well, maybe, or maybe you'll get worse at it because yeah. you're practicing bad techniques. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, go learn how, and then practice. Ah. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. Before I let you go, just wanted to thought we'd do some, uh, rapid fire questions, you know, get our listeners to uh, keep getting to know you and, and, um, who you are, who are some of your favorite storytellers? Like, is there someone that stands out or, oh. you know, <laughs> or, you know, or a favorite story? <laughs> yeah. And it's probably nobody you would imagine me saying, but, uh, Isaac Asimov. Hmm. So Isaac Asimov is, is most popularly known as a fiction, a science fiction writer. But he also writes fabulous nonfiction, like the history of science. He actually mm. has a, I had, he passed away back in the eighties, I guess, but um, he had a PhD in chemistry and he wrote all kinds of nonfiction about scientists and the amazing discoveries they made. And his writing just captivates me. And he tells just these amazing true stories of scientific discoveries and the mm. kind of storytelling that I traffic in and teach people is nonfiction storytelling, not made up stories, but mm. true stories. So he, he just does it really well. And he's been one of my, one of my heroes. Oh, I love that. Uh, is there, if you're, if you're into podcasts, is there a, a podcast on the leadership side that you enjoy or a guilty pleasure podcast that just fills your, fills your tank? Um, you know, the two I listen to the most right now are one is, uh, um, the lost debate, mm. which is a news, a news show. Um, but, uh, well, anyway, you'll, you'll have, it, it, it's a, it's a more fair and balanced, um, more deep dive news show. Not just like hear the headlines 30 seconds right. at a time. You know, they'll, they'll take a whole 45 minutes and they'll go into four stories and that's it. Wow. Um, wow. 
the other one I like right now is uh, Michael Shermer, who's the publisher of Skeptic Magazine. Mm. He's got a, a podcast where he brings on scientists and and just talks about interesting recent discoveries, and I, I find that fascinating. Mm. Okay, a little bit more personal, you know, being that you're in Ohio, are you a skyline chili person or not so much? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it's pretty polarizing, but uh, um <laughs> I do like it. I don't eat it very often. It's probably not really high on the healthy eating. List. Right. <laughs> but uh, when, I'm, when I'm at a weak moment, I'll definitely, uh, definitely pick one up. Absolutely. Well, Paul, this was just, I mean, just incredible. Thank you so much for sharing such great insight. Uh, before I let you go, is, is there somewhere we can send our listeners to find you online? Yeah. Uh, my website okay. um, is um, leadwithastory.com. So just the name of that first book. Uh, I was never more creative about website naming after that. So we just <laughs> stuck with that one. That's so, perfect. Yeah. Lead with the story. That's perfect. Well, thank you. And just from one leader to another, I mean, your, your books and writing, your leadership, I've watched many of your talks online have just been incredibly helpful, insightful and, and helped my storytelling. So just thank you for that. And thank you for being on the podcast today. Just so appreciate your time. Oh, you bet. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, and then thank you again to our listeners for joining us on the Speak the People podcast. Again, if you're looking to grow in your leadership and your communication skills, don't forget about our Speak with People community Facebook group. It's growing uh, by leaders every single day. We curate stories. We take polls together. There, We post different videos to help us grow and inspire each other. So just search for the Speak with People community group on Facebook. And then if you are looking to become a better public speaker, don't forget to check out Speak With People's public speaking pathway. It is just a step-by-step -step guide with whatever level you're at to help you become a more effective, empathetic, captivating communicator. Well, thanks again for being a part of the podcast family. We really do appreciate every time you listen and download. And especially when you leave a review, thank you for doing that. Again, this podcast exists because we believe our words matter and that healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. So we hope that today challenged you, inspired you uh, to use words that really do matter to communicate in a healthy way because you really will change your world. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.